Welcome to the Cross-Border Interview Podcast, a podcast about getting out from behind the keyboard and just talking. Each week, we invite a guest or two to sit down and talk about their life and their work. I'm Christopher Brown, your host, and this is the Cross-Border Interview Podcast featuring country music star, Ashley Taylor. Ashley, thank you so much for doing this, even though we're an hour ahead of schedule, but hey, like you said, that's what musicians do, right? They want to be on time for everything. Exactly. Exactly. No, thank you so much for having me. This is i uh, I'm really excited to be here and just hang out and talk to you. So that's what I like to hear. Ashley, uh, do you mind if I call you Ashley during the interview? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. But- Ashley, uh, I start all my interviews with the same question. You're no exception. Where did your music, <laughs> where did your sense of music come from? Well, you know, I feel like I kind of got a really good start to an introduction of music because I'm actually from um, a little farm town out in central California called Bakersfield. So if anyone has never heard of that, we're basically the birthplace of like Merle Haggard, Buck Owens. Um, So, you know, during the 70s, Bakersfield was like the original Nashville of country music. I mean, we had so many hit records coming out of there. So that's my hometown. That's where I'm from. So kind of growing up, it's like I lived in this very musical little farm town. Um, so between that and then just my grandmother, who was a massive country music fan playing records like Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton and Tammy Wynette and, you know, that early 2000s good stuff like the Dixie Chicks. Um, that was kind of my foundation and my very first introduction into music. So you, you talk about your grandmother and grand, your grandmother who got you listening to music uh, like Loretta, Loretta Lynn. What about your parents? Were they musically inclined as well? Because usually you you get that musical uh, taste from your parents. So like my parents would listen to George Thorogood. So that's what I grew yeah. up listening to. But then I grew yeah. into country. So what did you listen to? And what did your parents, uh, mu- what was their musical style? You know, it's so funny. So my, my parents were, my mom would listen to a lot of like Christian contemporary artists. So I grew up with a lot of like the Chris Tomlin and, and Hosanna and third day and kind of that whole thing. And then, um, she also, though was a massive fan into eighties rock and roll. So like her favorite band of all time is Bon Jovi. And she's literally so obsessed with Bon Jovi to the point that we named our family dog, Jonathan Bon Jovi. Um, so I mean, yeah, massive Bon Jovi fan. Um, and then my dad was really into stuff like the Carpenters and a lot of like what you, I guess you would say like the oldies kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of what they would listen to. And, you know, I clearly would listen to it and everything, but when I would go visit my grandmother, who I was like very, very close to, and, you know, we would get in their car or she would be like cooking dinner and just have music on everything was country. And that's kind of really what I gravitated to, even just from like an early age. Um, and it's, it's weird, you know, when like a kid is kind of like, you know, listening to songs about heartbreak and all this stuff. And I clearly don't know what that is at that age, but there is, there's just something about country music, like even early on where it's like, I just remember listening to it. Like it left the biggest impression, even as a little kid. So as a little kid, were you like, you say you're listening to this music as well, but were you picking up the guitar? Were you picking up the songbook and starting to write lyrics as well? Or when did that sort of adapt for you? Yeah. So I, I started writing like, really bad lyrics let's just say that okay let's everyone say that. does at least once yeah. in their life 
let's just be really honest, okay? Um, yeah, so I mean, I started writing lyrics, I feel like, um, probably when I was like 13, 14. And, you know, I, I honestly was just trying, I think, to figure it out. I, I think I had no idea on how to actually write real lyrics and have it rhyme or cadence or anything. I was just literally just writing because I thought it was fun. And then when I was 17, I actually got my first guitar. And uh, that was like a big life changer. So I got my first guitar and a family friend gave it to me as a Christmas gift. And I became obsessed. And so I went and bought one of those Hal Leonard guitar method books, if you know what I'm talking about. It's like $8, you got the nice little CD and uh, you know, you can learn how to play the guitar. So I, I started there and I, I mean, I would practice for hours a day. And then I started to learn about, you know, three or four chords. And then I started writing actual songs, like trying to figure out how to put music to things. And um, they were horrible. They were horrible songs, you know, clearly nothing was right. but. It was the start of me trying to figure out how do I write a song? How does this happen? Um, and, and during that time too, you know, it's like my love for country music just, I mean, I was obsessed, massive country music fan. And so I would study songs by people that I just like admired. And then I, you know, would watch like CMT all day long. And I would look at like the bottom of, you know, like the TV screen and it would be like, you know, artist, song name, title, whatever. But down at the bottom, it would say songwriters. And I kept seeing these names. And then I was like, who are these people? Like, you know, like I want to know them. Like I, I never knew that like you could write songs for a living or this could be a thing. And uh, I just became obsessed though with like the guitar and writing songs and trying not to suck um, <laughs> as odd as that. I mean, just being honest, just trying to get to that next level and figure out, you know, how do I write a song like, you know, uh, Tom Shapiro or, you know, how, how do I do these things? How? So was there one uh, songwriter that you tried to influence yourself after? After Because you say you're looking at all those songs, that list of yeah. uh, friends, you see those songwriters. Is there one uh, songwriter that you can say, you know what? I want to be like that at that at 17. I want to be like that. Yeah. Um, I remember um, a couple years before I really picked up a guitar and started diving into it massive moment in time where I can timestamp it and say, this is an important moment is I was sitting in my grandparents' living room and they had on CMT country music television and Gretchen Wilson came flying off of that four wheeler singing about being a redneck woman. And I turned to my mom and my grandma right then and there. And I said, that is what I want to be when I grow up. And they said a redneck. And I said, hell yeah. But no, her, <laughs> her writing to me, like the way that she could just be so confident about who she was and everything like that was massively influential. And I think I really tried when I started writing songs and a couple years later to do that. And, you know, someone who wrote so many hits of, you know, the early 2000s and even mids, um, who is a massive part of Gretchen Wilson's story is John Rich from Big and Rich. And I love his writing. You know, it, he's he's huge. So I think um, kind of that mixture of Gretchen Wilson and John Rich and what they were doing at the time, for some reason, just spoke to my little teenage heart. And I just that I mean, that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to write songs like that. Now, you don't traditionally think of a country music star living in California, especially small town California. Uh, you made the decision after meeting a friend to move halfway across the country to Nashville, Tennessee. What was that decision like? Because for me, moving across the country, because I'm originally from Ontario, I moved across the country here in Canada. It was 
scary because you're going out on your own. You don't know if you're going to fall flat on your face or you're going to make it. So for you as an independent artist who wants to get break into the country music scene, what was that decision like? It was, it was very outside of my character, but I can truthfully say it was the best decision I've ever made. And the reason why is, you know, we, we talked about, I picked up a guitar at 17 and I was, you know, writing songs. Well, after I graduated high school, I actually went to audio school. So I have a, I have a degree in audio engineering and I was working in recording studios and I was doing live sound and I, I did it for about six months after I graduated. And then I basically realized that this is not what I want to do. It, it just was not creative enough for me. And I kind of felt like, you know, and I think a lot of people feel this way, but I was like, man, this just, this isn't what I want. I don't kind of know my direction. And so I had to do a lot of self-evaluating and I figured out what I really enjoyed doing is writing songs. That is what I enjoy. And I knew that if I wanted to write songs for a living, I could not do it writing songs in my bedroom in Bakersfield, California. I needed to move to Nashville. That is what everyone told me. And so I started just trying to honestly find groups online and stuff where it's like, I can learn how to write songs better. And I could, you know, kind of learn more about Nashville and the craft. And I ended up one day stumbling across this, uh, this guy named Clay Mills on Facebook who owned this really great company called Songtown USA, brand new company had started. And that's what they did is they taught people how to write songs. And Clay is, um, an amazing, amazing hit songwriter. So he wrote like beautiful mess for diamond Rio, don't think I don't think about it, but Eric Strecker, I mean, the list goes on. So, so anywho, I got really involved with his company. And um, basically one day he said, hey, um, I think you're super talented. I think you're great, but I'm going to break it to you. If you do not come to Nashville and if you're not here, then all you're ever going to do is write songs in your bedroom. And so if you if you want this, like you have to be here, you have to be present. And so I was like, OK. And then he said, so I need an intern for my company. So he's like, why don't you come on out here? Be my intern for a year. Let me help you out. And so that's what I did. So I literally sold everything I owned. I'd never seen Nashville. I'd never even visited. And uh, I did the crazy thing and I hopped on a plane. And I mean, the truth of it is, is like, I owe Clay Mills a lot. And I love that man. And he taught me so much about writing. Like, I feel so blessed and fortunate to have been around a hit songwriter and to see how he runs his business and to see how he writes a song and to see his mindset. Um, but truthfully, I mean, that was, that was about five years ago. And I mean, honestly, I mean, when I came out here, I didn't have a job. I did not have like a place to stay. I sleep on people's couches and I wrote horrible songs and I learned though, you know, I, I learned, um, which is, I think the, uh, really the important thing. Um, so yeah, so, um, it's all kind of a learning thing, but it sounds crazy. Um, but truthfully, I mean, it was like the best thing I ever did. So we have a lot to unpack there because you, you've opened up so many questions Sorry, for me that, yeah. I, that I, I need to, I, you, which, yeah. Hey, if you weren't, it would be bad for the podcast. Okay. It would be a very <laughs> hour of silence of me talking, but you, you talk about how Clay told you if you want to, if you want to be more than just someone who writes songs, but by the sounds of it, you're growing up, you wanted to be a songwriter. So there was something in the back of your head who which said, Hey, while I love writing songs, I want to be the person up on stage in the center of the stage playing those songs as well. That actually happened after I moved to Nashville. Um, yeah, I know. Isn't my story weird? It's it, it's weird. No, but true. <laughs> Honesty, because I never really, 
I mean, I have like a brother, for example, who is like an amazing singer, but he does like musical theater and Broadway. So he's very musical. And I mean, I clearly had played the guitar and went to audio school and wrote songs. So it's like, I was kind of musical. I never thought of myself in a million years as an artist, never in a million years. I wanted to write songs. And so when I moved to Nashville and I started writing songs and kind of doing my thing, um, so many different people came to me and said, you're an artist. And I said, no, I'm not, man. <laughs> like, I'm not an artist. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, no, seriously. Like, you know, I mean, you can do whatever you want to do, but I legitimately think that you're an artist. And so, um, I, I kind of give it some thought and I'm like, well, I'm going to try it. You know, like what, what, what's the worst that's going to come of it. So I kind of dove into the whole artist thing. And truthfully, I love being an artist. I really do. And, you know, I'm there, you know, I feel like there's different kinds of artists, but to me, how I like to, how I like to explain myself is I'm first and foremost, a songwriter. Okay. I love writing songs for myself. I love writing songs for other artists. I just love writing songs. Okay. Straightforward. I also love going out and playing shows. I love talking to people on like social media, like fans and like interacting. It makes my day when I see somebody wearing an Ashley Taylor merch t-shirt. Like I love that. I love posting on social media. I love talking to people. I love doing interviews like this with you. Like, this is fun. I enjoy being an artist. So, um, you know, that that's kind of the weird thing though. Cause I feel like a lot of people, they move here and they're like, I'm an artist. And I was like, no, not really. But it fits me. It fits my makeup, my personality, and I really enjoy it. So what was so, it like the first time you went on stage as an artist, playing your own songs, playing those new, the, the Bakersfield album that came out last year? What was that like to actually get on stage and be in front of a crowd? Had that happened in Bakersfield, California, or did not that not happen until Nashville? Yeah, no, I was always like, I mean, I would play shows, but I was like the guitar player. And so, I mean, my first show and everything has like a solo artist. I thought I was going to pee my pants, man. I was so damn nervous. Like, wow. <laughs> like it was a lot, but then I did it. And at the end it felt amazing. And I had like people coming up and it, like, I had really good positive feedback and stuff. And so then I was like, this is cool. Like I actually enjoy this. And, you know, and so then I just started going out and playing a, playing a bunch and just trying to learn and figure out like what to do. And I mean, I would, I would truthfully be lying if I said like part of it, especially when I first moved here, I was like intimidated because I feel like, you know, so many people that moved to Nashville and like, you know, you talk to them and they're like, oh yeah, I've sung my whole life. And I knew I was going to be an artist when I was 10. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm like 23, 24 and uh, I'm going to try this, but like whatever. And I mean, I did it though. I did it. And, and so I think it just kind of goes to show, I really don't know if age is a factor though, because now the people that have, you know, been doing this whole artist thing way longer than I have uh, come to me and ask my advice on what, what it is I'm doing and how do you do that? And so it just shows it's like, and I mean, that's not, not because I'm special by any means, you know, but it's like, I have worked my butt off the past five years and I work 16 hours a day and I just try to get better at my craft. 
But well, yeah. How, how do you do that? How do you get better as a craft? Because like you said, you have a large population who moves to Nashville to do exactly what you did, right? Try to become a country music star. Some fail, some succeed, right? Some right. are who are in the middle, who are still trying to make it, but they're not sure if they're making it. So how, how, how do you do it? How do you keep going in an industry that is becoming, and I, and I hate to use this word, dilute it with so many country music stars or country music yeah. musicians who are up and coming. So what is the driving force to make you keep going and keep on doing it? Oh, that's such a good question. So I think, I think it's a couple things. One, a, I think you can always tell a difference between a person who wants to be famous and somebody who legitimately just loves what they do, right? That's a big difference. And I think people can read that and pick up on it. Um, as far as, you know, walking into Nashville, I feel, and not that I'm trying to, you know, be mean to anybody or say something, but I see the attitude a lot when people walk into Nashville where they think that they are the greatest thing to ever walk the streets of Broadway, okay? And I'm not, maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they are, but I think you have to have a sense of humility, truthfully, to make it in this town because there is always somebody who can play better than you, sing better than you, write better than you. There's always somebody. And so I think for me, something that has really helped is when I got here, I was a songwriter first and I had other people cutting my songs and I would see how other independent artists would handle matters of like business and promotion and how they would do things. And then when it came time for me to be an artist, I was like, you know, I've seen this done a couple of times and I, I kind of really don't think that works. And so this is what I think I should do. So I had like a clear vision. Um, so, and kind of like for an example, like, I would see artists that I would write with just as a writer. Right. So I would write a song with an artist and they basically would take the song. They'd be like, Oh, I love it. And they would just release it. And it's like, well, you're really not playing shows anywhere other than in Nashville. Okay. Nobody in Nashville is going to be a fan because guess what? We're all musicians. Okay. <laughs> We're all trying to do the same thing. Um, something else is like just the promotion and everything. I just, you know, it's kind of like almost like they released music, but they didn't have a fan base. And so to me, you know, as the songwriter, it's like, I would be so excited for this music release. And it's like, okay, but it kind of didn't really do anything. So that was discouraging. So when I became an artist, what I did is like the moment I was like, I'm an artist is I started playing shows outside of town. Not, not really in Nashville. I would do it occasionally. But I started playing like bars, fairs, festivals. I mean, anywhere that would have me because I understood that if I got outside of Nashville, that's where my real fans are. Like those are the people that are going to buy my music. And okay? that's a key point that I want to talk about here is because you say yeah. you would play anywhere that would have you. So, yeah. Because yeah. when I talk to musicians or artists, they say, I only want to play a bar that has 300 people in it. I only want to play a bar that, or a stage that's going to bring a thousand people to me. Would you say, you know what? A gig is a gig. And if you're an artist, uh, one person or 500 people, it doesn't matter the size. If you get one yeah. fan, you're happy. Yes. Oh, no. I, and, you know, again, I'm not trying to downplay anyone or make anybody feel bad. This is clearly just my opinion. But I think that there are different levels to being an artist. And so it's like when you're first starting out and you don't, I mean, if you don't have a name for yourself, like if you don't have the reputation of putting butts in the seat, think about it. It's a business. This is the music business. If I'm a venue owner 
and you want to play to a bar that has 300 plus people, I can't guarantee 300 plus people are there. It's your job as the artist to bring in those people. So, I mean, nowadays when I first started out, I mean, I did play literally anywhere that would have me. And a lot of the time it didn't matter if I made money or if I didn't, because if I went and drove a couple hours and played a four hour long set and I got one person, okay, one person to follow me on social media. And if I connected with one person, then it was worth my time. Okay. So that's the way that I view it. Now, nowadays I've clearly done this for a couple of years. And so I have a bit of a name, but you know, what I'm finding is like, there are certain States I go to and I can go play a festival for 8,000 people and people know that it's, it will work and it's good because I have the reputation and the track record of putting butts in the seat. So it's like, great. I went to go, this was before COVID clearly, but I've never played a show in Florida. And I was like, man, I really want to, it's my goal to play in every state. Okay. That's like my immediate goal. And I was like, I've never played a show in Florida. And so I was talking to different venues in Florida and they said, you know, like, we'd love to have you, but here's the deal. You've never played a show in Florida. I don't know if you can put butts in seats. And I'm like, well, to be honest with you, I don't know either. And, and so, you know, it's like, let's work stuff out then for free, like go build a fan base in Florida. So that way a year or two from now, when I come back, people know that it's like, I can put butts in the seat in Florida, you know? So it's, it's building. Um, you just don't, you're not able just to go walk into some place and make demands. It's a business. You have to prove yourself of having a track record before I, I think people will take you seriously. People taking you seriously now because you've been in Nashville for five years. It sounds like you are getting an incredible following. Your social media is lit up with how many followers. I, I don't know the exact number right now, but you are an artist who I, I can honestly say connects with their uh, fan base. It, so often it's we'll put out our music and we'll just walk away and we'll be happy with it. Like the, the who get uh, sort of stale in there. Okay. I'm a big star now. I don't need to care about my fans because no matter what I put out, they're going to do it with you. It seems like, you will connect with like one person to 500 people to a thousand people to 2,400, 24,000 people. So why, why are fans so important to you? Why are they the ones that keep you driving? Because like you've talked about, like you can go to Florida and they're not sure if you're going to sell a stadium, but if you connect with your fans, they're going to come. So why does that drive you to continue connecting with your fans in social media, online, in person? Why does that, why is that a big thing for you? Because they're, it sounds cliche, but they're why I do what I do. And if they did not support me, I mean, it's just, if they did not support me, I would not sell a record. I would not get the opportunities that I've gotten. There is no way about it, you know? And this is why, you know, and, and this is, sorry, this, this is kind of on subject, but just to kind of explain it, because I think you'll get a better idea of where I'm coming from. I believe that there are, artists out there that make music for the industry. Okay. So they're really worried about getting meetings. They're worried about working with some big producer. They're worried about this stuff. And and that's cool. And I totally get that. I don't feel like I'm that artist. I make music for my fans. I study what they buy. I study what they like. Okay. I talk to them daily. Okay. I'm constantly interacting. I reply to every comment. Okay. Every comment in whatever social media you leave it on, I will personally reply to it. Okay. That is my motto. Okay. So you're not going to get some automated thing. It's I'm, I'm a personal brand. Okay. So I'm there for you. Let's talk. Let's chat. I want to get to know you. People respect the hell out of that. And I respect them. 
It's like, I share some of my life with you. You share some with me. We have a mutual connection and it's great. Um, I make music for fans. I make music because it's like what I love to do. I make music because this is my business and I care about it. And my fans get that. And so they, when I say, Hey, I'm doing this thing, they show up in full force to support me. And that, that's the cool thing. And, um, hopefully I'm not jumping ahead, but again, an example is what I was saying earlier, where it's like, okay, I was a songwriter. I became an artist and I immediately realized that people were not building fan bases before they were releasing music. Me as an artist looked at it and said, that is probably the worst business thing that you could ever do because it's like, you just spent all this money to record this great song, great music, whatever. And you throw it out in the world and who the hell cares to buy it? Right. You have no relationship with your fans to, I mean, there's just no reason. There's no reason for me to give you 99 cents. So that's when I started playing all the bars and anywhere and everywhere. So I did that for almost like two and a half years solid. Like every freaking weekend I was out on the road doing something and I worked on growing my following. Well, when I finally released my EP as an artist, I charted on iTunes at number 60. I sold 10,000 copies within the first day. I have no record label. I ain't got no money. Okay. <laughs> like I'm a horror musician. Okay. Like just being honest. And, it, and that's not because I did anything spectacular, but that's my fans right there supporting me and thanking me because they are so invested in what I do and I'm invested in what they do. And so that's kind of my motto. So it's like, to me, fans really are everything. I spent eight hours the other day working on new, like a new special merch shop for my fan club. So we, we call them, um, the A team. So my initials, you know, AT. So we call them the A team. And so we have this whole theme where it's like, everything's kind of sport themed, you know, almost like a college football team. And yeah, we have like all this new cool merch that we got out for these guys and we got some exclusive content going, but I mean, I spend hours a week just connecting with these people and I do that and I invest in that because they are so important. They are the reason why I have a career. If they did not buy my music, why would I record music and put it out? They are who show up to the shows. They, I mean, they're the reason for everything. So to me, invest highly in them because without them, you don't have a career. You are the queen of segues because I was literally about to go into your oh. ET now. So it was perfect timing. <laughs> How do we do it? <laughs> but Ashley, um, that first EP, Bakersfield, like you said, charted top 60 on iTunes, top 100 country albums, 10,000 downloads, as you said. Where did that EP come from? Was it was it your old music that you said, this is the perfect, because you said you don't have a label and labels like to put songs on that are going to sell, but you did this all yeah. your own. So where did this EP come from for you? Um, I literally did, and I, I did things a little different, but honestly, where this kind of started is, like I said, I just love to write songs, right? So um, my first day in Nashville, right? So got, get off the plane, never seen Nashville before. I'm walking around Nashville and I'm just like awestruck at all the amazing things that I'm seeing before my little country kid eye. Okay. And, um, the very first place that I went when I got off the plane is I went downtown to the country music hall of fame and museum. And I basically walked in the doors there and I was, I, you know, was with a, with a friend, um, that had you know, flown with me from California. And basically I was sitting there talking and um, I was like, man, I don't know why 
like I didn't leave Bakersfield years ago. Like, look at how cool Nashville is and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm just, you know, talking all this about my hometown and how it ain't nothing but a little farm town out in the middle of nowhere. Well, man, we opened the doors to that museum and there's this giant banner. And I mean, you could not miss it. It was huge. And it said now exhibiting the Bakersfield sound. And I went, oh, so I spent my whole first day in Nashville having everybody here tell me how cool my hometown was because of just, I mean, what we've done for country music. And um, I, I went home that night. So first day in Nashville and I sat down on boxes. Okay. Nothing was unpacked. And this black guitar, if you can see it behind me, um, I picked it up and I wrote the title track Bakersfield. And all I did was just put my story into a song, three minutes and 30 seconds. And it was personal to me. And I thought, well, no one's ever going to record this, but I love it. And then from there, you know, just over time, you know, like I, again, not an artist was just writing songs, but I would just write songs that were important to me that I liked. And so then when it was like, well, you are the artist, um, then, you know, it's like when people were like, you know, trying to figure out like what my vision was and I was trying to figure it out. It was so clear to me where it's like, we're literally going to start from the first song I wrote in Nashville. And I'm going to go back through my catalog and I'm going to look at all of these songs that are insanely personal to me. And I'm going to make an EP. And then, you know, most people were like, you know, oh yeah, an EP, three, four, what, five, six songs. And I'm like, no, seven. Because seven is my lucky number. It's personal. It's like, that's my thing. So I'm like, I'm putting seven songs and be a rebel. You know, just, just things like that, that where it was like, it was so clear to me, like what song should go on there. It was very clear to me of like, the title track, like what the album was going to be called. Um, all of that honestly just really was very clear and it came out to me just kind of naturally almost, if that makes sense, because these were just the songs that were important to me. So you, you talk about how your songwriting is personal, right? You, you write about mm -hmm. personal things. Um, is that how all your songs are written or are there some that you say, you know what, I, I'm taking experience from my partner's life or my like something else that might influence your songwriting or is it all personal? A lot of the times it's mostly personal or there have definitely been a couple songs. Like for example, um, I have a song that I, I love to play out called Cigarette. And it's, it's not released yet, but hopefully soon it will be. Um, but for example, I was looking out my kitchen window one day and I saw my next door neighbor who was sitting outside in like a Walmart lawn chair in like one of those moo-moos. And she was smoking a cigarette and literally just watching the world burn to hell around her and just sitting there just smoking. And so like, I wrote that song totally about her, but a lot of what I write about is things I observe, they're personal things that happen to me. Um, there are things that are, maybe the message is just super, super important. So, it, you know, it just kind of, it kind of depends. But if you look at my EP, you know, like Bakersfield is clearly my life story. Um, I have a song, I would say it's my most popular song to date, hands down, is Cake. And that is a true story that happened to me. I was dating this guy, he was a big jerk, and he stood me up on my birthday. And I wrote a damn song about it. Okay. <laughs> like, and I, and I wrote it as a joke and I thought no one will ever like it. And I played it out one time and that was it. It was just so clear. Like this has to go on the EP. Um, so yeah, I mean, and there's songs like, uh, dad to me. So I wrote that for my stepdad. So my, my biological father left when I was young. So I tell the story of me and my stepdad and how blood doesn't mean a thing because to me, he's always going to be dad. He's dad to me. Um, if you go through all seven of those songs, 
there's a reason why that song is on that record. And it has some kind of a personal time connection to me and what I do or what I believe. Now with the pandemic, uh, there's not much happening to anyone these days. Yeah. So has your, has your writing style completely flatlined right now because of COVID-19 or are you still finding inspiration for songwriting during this unprecedented time that we are in? You know what I'm actually like, this may sound a little weird. And I mean, it breaks my heart because I think everyone in, in some way has been drastically affected by COVID-19. Um, but I was really planning on this year, 2020 to tour like a crazy woman. And that was my whole plan. And I mean, I had it all planned out and I thought, wow, look at me again, just killing it, organized, like, this is great. And then 2020 happened and I went, oh, okay. And so, uh, I was sitting there, you know, in my pajamas, uh, watching the, you know, Gilmore girls, like we all were doing. And, um, you know, it's kind of like, we can either, we can either do, make use of this time and make it productive or not. And one of the things that I've really done during quarantine that I think is really helped my writing and just everything in general is I've taken a lot of time to sit back and kind of just look at what I'm doing as an artist and figure out what is my next step and what should I improve and what should I do and how can I make sure 2021 is actually the biggest year I've ever had. So I've been, um, I've actually been writing a lot for myself as an artist. I've um, been experimenting with different things and sounds and um, really just kind of trying to, you know, up my game, I guess you could say in a lot of ways. I've, um, like I said, I've done this whole fan club thing. I've, you know, been trying to just stay in touch with people and keep active on social media. And um, my, my fiance is actually my band leader, um, lead guitar player. And so, you know, since it's like the two of us just cooped up, um, I was like, give me some guitar lessons, man. You know, give me some guitar lessons. Uh, I picked up a couple new instruments. I picked up the mandolin. Um, I tried playing slide guitar. Um, I don't know if I should be playing that in a live show. I need to practice that a bit more. But, I, but you know what I mean? It's like I'm just working on my craft. Like I'm writing songs and really just up and branding and just trying to stay connected and out there and doing things. And truthfully, it's been a nice break. And I think because the world went silent for a little bit, it kind of has given me a minute to breathe and really readjust and refocus some goals. And, and just kind of when 2021 happens, a lot of my festivals and fairs that I was playing have been rescheduled. And I'm like, man, I'm walking out there pretty much almost like a brand new artist in some ways, you know, I got a cool new stage show and just, just kind of have really had the time to really focus in and up, up my game a lot. And I'm excited about it. Like I'm pumped. That's awesome. Before we do talk about 2021, uh, there's one area that I want to talk about and uh, it has to do with CMT a bit. Uh, you, according to your website, were a, made an appearance on Nashville, the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> so not just an appearance, multiple appearances, multiple appearances, how did this come about? Because as a Nashville fan, how yeah. did this come about? So the cool thing about that show, this was years ago when I first moved to town. Um, I actually used to do a little bit of modeling. And so I was with a agency and um, the first time I did it, it was like, I was um, kind of like an extra, but I had a little camera time. Like you're kind of off in the back. And one time I did it and I was like a guitar tech um, which was fun. Um, so I did that. And then my favorite was I was actually in the grocery store one day 
And this lady came up to me and she goes, are you a musician? And I was like, yeah, I am. And she's like, oh. And so she was, you know, one of the casting people for Nashville. And she's like, yeah, we're doing this scene at the Bluebird. And you just look like someone who would play the Bluebird to me. And I'm like, thank you. Compliment. Thank you. Um, so, yeah. So the one time, you know, I was a, I was a musician playing the Bluebird. And it was so much fun. Like, everyone on that show is just the nicest people. And they have done so much for the city of Nashville. But a lot of the times, I mean, the people that you see on that show are actually people that live in Nashville. They are not, like, actors. Like, I'm not an actor. I just you know, they, they kind of include, um, spots and just the people of the city. It, it's really, really cool the way they do it. Um, it was fun. I mean, I, I kind of make fun of myself for it because, you know, you watch it and it's like, there's my arm or, or, you know, it's like, you see someone like an important character talking and I'm just like back in the background. It's like, I'm there, you know, I'm there. <laughs> so did you, did you call your mom and call your stepfather and call yeah. all your family members and say, you need to watch this episode because I'm going to be on <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. And I was like, I'm like, I've made it. I'm famous. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Maybe not. But yeah, but it was, it was fun. Like I enjoyed it. I mean, you also too, you know, you, you never realize how much work goes into those TV shows. I mean, just to film a couple of scenes that like I did, it was like, Oh my God, we'd be there all day, all day into the night. And so, um, but everyone was so kind and like so cool and just gracious that it was like, heck yeah. So it was, it was really enjoyable. I liked it. Now um, you talked about 2021. Uh, uh, this is going to be coming out in either December or early January. Uh, there's awesome. either two spots I'm going to be putting you on. So what does 2021 potentially hold for you? If, if God willing, if. the pandemic dies down tomorrow yeah. and everything goes back to normal January 1st, what's on the agenda for 2021? I'm, I'm really optimistic about 2021 because I figured it can only get better from here. Right. So, um, no, I'm really excited. So like I said, I've been writing a bunch and working on some stuff kind of during quarantine during this year. So I'm actually going to be releasing new music, um, in 2021, which is going to be really exciting. Um, I'm also, clearly you know all of the fairs and festivals and shows that i was supposed to play this year they've all been for the most part rescheduled for 2021 so i should be out playing a lot of shows as well um i'm getting married in may of 2021 so that's exciting um and then yeah just we'll see what life happens but new music shows marriage um who knows maybe i'll get a tattoo who knows just whatever goes 2021 the year of what however it goes (laughs) yeah however it goes I kind of, at this point, I'm just like trying to do the best I can, but I'm like, man, I'm kind of nervous, like to make a lot of plans for 2021 because with my luck, it'll be like this year. And I'm just going to be like, oh, okay. So I'm just kind of giving up, you know, low expectations, (laughs) low expectations, expectations. best way to end. Um, Ashley, uh, I will admit that I am a fan of yours now after listening to your music. I'm so happy that we were able to connect and sit down. Um, Yes. In Calgary, we are called like the Texas of, uh, of of Canada. We have one of the largest, greatest outdoor shows in all of Canada. It's called Calgary Stampede. If the Calgary Stampede people are listening, I really hope that they reach out to you, Ashley, because you would be an excellent addition to our lineup for country music stars that they bring up here. So I honestly hope you are able to tour here in Canada shortly, so I can be one of the first in lines to buy your t- buy a ticket to your show. Yes, 
Yes. Oh my gosh. I seriously would love that. You know, I've, it's a dream of mine to actually visit Canada. So maybe we'll get in touch and we'll, we'll, we'll work something out. Let's do it. I'm coming coming over that border. I'm coming. Um, (laughs) One way or the other. (laughs) One way or the other. I'm I'm coming. No, I would seriously, I would love to hopefully see you at a show sometime in Canada and we'll have to hang out, but I really can't thank you enough for having me on your show today. Like it was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Uh, Ashley, I will, for all my listeners who are listening still, uh, the link to Ashley's website, all her social media accounts will be in the show notes. Um, I would honestly go out and listen to her first EP, Bakersfield. It was released in 2019. It's an amazing song, uh, amazing album, amazing uh, title track to the album as well. So go out, listen, download, buy it, support this artist because she's an amazing artist. So Ashley, thank you once, Ashley, thank you once again for coming on the show. Oh, of course. Thank you so much again for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you once again for listening to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. If you love this episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast, head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. All the links to our social media accounts are in the show notes or visit www.crossborderinterviews.ca. The Cross Border Interview Podcast was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. Be sure to tune in for our next episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Once again, thank you. Bye-bye.